Jasmine and Beauty Podcast starts right now. It's a special edition of the Asmin and Budic podcast. Jake Asmin alongside Dan Budic. And joining us in studio for what should be a fun one is a longtime friend of the show and obviously a big friend of ours, Josh Lapizan. He's got a new book coming out. We're going to get to the book in just a bit. But, Dan, I know this is always a fun one. We have Josh in studio. We had him on right before his election when he was reelected to the Sassid Board of Education. And Josh is always a, a good person to talk to. Josh, first of all, it's great to have you on the show. But uh, before we get started, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, first of all, it's always great to be with friends. And uh, for those listening, Jake and Dan have been two of my good buddies since uh, I was a teenager. They were two pivotal members of my campaign team. And I am in a debt of gratitude forever for bringing my campaign into the 21st century. So I had to give you some kudos on your own show. And thank you so much again for having me. So you want to talk about the book? Is that why we're here? Let's get to the book. I I hear (laughs) we're mentioned in the book, which obviously everyone wants to hear why. Correct. Uh, You guys are mentioned in the book because you guys helped bring my campaign into the 21st century. You guys had a crazy idea that we should have a virtual town hall in which people from the community could log on to Spreecast, which Dan actually interned for, was it two summers ago or... Uh, two summers two ago. Two summers it, ago. It was, sure. uh, it was short last. Short, short-lived internships. It's a sore subject. But you guys had this crazy idea that we should have a virtual town hall in which residents could log on and ask me questions face-to-face. We had about 25,000 viewers on that virtual town hall. And as Mashable would later report, we were one of the first campaigns in the country, certainly the first school board campaign, to ever use that type of campaign. And it fits so perfectly with our theme of transparency and open government. So we really did um, you know, something innovative and progressive and forward-thinking. And that was all you two. So I have you guys to thank for it. Well, the book is called Political Gladiators, mm-hmm. How Millennials Can Persevere Through the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. Yes, sir. I'll start with the title because we were talking off the air before sure. we did this. And obviously you're very close with your family and especially yep. your father, Jeffrey Lavazan. Mm-hmm. Is it true that he had a big impact in the name of the book? So I make no mistake that my dad has doubled as my mentor and my campaign manager. I, you know, I'm very close to my father and I, I was struggling with the title for the book and I'm a big Scandal fan. You guys watch Scandal? I've seen one or two episodes, not a regular viewer. Okay, so, you know, Olivia Pope, you know, she's a, she's a badass, and I love the show Scandal. And I wanted to do something with, um, you know, the, the thing in Scandal is they're uh, gladiators in suits. And when I told my dad that I love gladiators in suits, we were playing around, and he came up with, what about political gladiators? Because that's what young candidates really are. They're political gladiators, not in the sense that they go into the arena with a sword and they fight to the death, but they go into the political arena and they fight for their principles. And it's such an uphill battle as a young candidate because they have to face extra scrutiny and all these different obstacles and hurdles. So they're gladiators facing their communities, pushing for their ideals. And most of them, as I've seen, come out on top. Now, Josh, obviously you, you ran twice in the Syosset School Board. You won twice. What made you want to become an author and write a book? What was the inspiration behind the book? Sure. Well, I always wanted to share my story. Um, I, uh, I've learned so much going through my what I call school of hard knocks, learning all that I've learned, whether it was being the lone wolf on the board under Carol Hank and our previous superintendent, transitioning to Dr. Friedman and then to Dr. Rogers, running as an 18-year-old still in high school. I've learned so much. So I always wanted to share that story. 
backstory somehow. But it was actually my brother Justin who first came up with the idea for writing a book. Justin, as you know, is incredible. He is my inspiration hands down. And before he was leaving on a trip, he told me that he was writing a book to share his story with young entrepreneurs. So I said to him, I said, Jay, if I got the right collection of young political experts, you know, I think I could write a book too to share my story on how to run for office. So the two of us started writing the book. And then Aaron, my 15-year-old brother, never likes to be left out of the picture. He's precocious. He is, he's a, a ahead of his time. And he said, you know what? Whatever the two of you guys can do, I can do as well. So he started writing the book. And his book, What Middle School Doesn't Teach Me, comes out the same day that Justin and my book does. Now, here's the thing with his book. We were going to wait a little bit later in the show <laughs> sure. to address it, but you brought it up, sure so we'll thing. get to it right now. Absolutely. What is a middle school kid or you know, your brother, someone that is you know, just graduated from middle school? I think he's, sure. what, is he in ninth grade now at the high school? He's a sophomore in science at high school. Sure. He was a sophomore at Syosset High School. His book about middle school, where, what, where does that come from? Where do the ideas come from that book? And do you even know what that book is about? So it's funny. Aaron is very secretive with this book. It's like his masterpiece that he's been working on for a while. Um, so I can't even give you the full purview. What I can say, though, is Aaron has he want, has he had you read it at all? He hasn't had us read it. He Remember, he is very independent. This is what I admire about Aaron. If he doesn't know something, he's going to go out and find it. He doesn't want to come to help first. That's not to say I don't play a major role in his life in terms of mentorship, but he's very independent. So he wanted to keep this one to himself, but I know the general gist, Aaron is a strong believer in education reform. He believes education should be more personalized. He believes education should be brought into the 21st century. Teaching skills like computer coding, remember something I want to teach in Syosset because while computer science jobs are growing at two times Two times the national average of job growth, according to Code.org, only one in ten high schools in America teach computer coding. So I know Aaron wants to talk about the importance of computer coding and STEM skills and, and how to bring element, you know, how to bring education, specifically middle schools, that important bridge to high school. That three years or four years where students really can find passions and explore the, you know, their personal diversity, uh, he wants to bring that into the 21st century. And we're talking with Josh Lapizan, the book Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Persevere Through the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. Book's coming out on December 18th. You're having a big book launch. A lot of people are going to be there. Any celebrities gonna, going to be in attendance at your home in Woodbury on Long Island ready for this book launch? Any celebrities. Any celebrities. So Tom DiNapoli is a celebrity to me. He's, He's your idol. Tom, Tom DiNapoli is my idol. Remember, he was the first 18-year-old ever elected to office in New York State. He ran in Mineola in 1972, just when 18-year-olds got the right to vote in this country. So I consider him a celebrity, so I hope he's going to show up. Uh, any celebrities? We're hoping to have some press there. We'd love to get the story out, but quite honestly, the two biggest celebrities at the book launch will be the two of you guys. I can't tell you the notoriety that you guys hold in our town. Everyone watches your podcast. Everyone, you know, when they want to hear about sports, when they want to hear about Kristaps Porzingis on the Knicks, and when they want to hear about Rex Ryan coming back to, you know, MetLife Stadium, they watch your show. So okay, uh, thank you, you guys that, are going to be celebrities there. It means a lot coming from you, of course, Josh. Thank but you very let, much. Let's talk more about what you did in this book. Because sure. I know one of the, the main storylines of this book is that you reached out to a lot of local elected officials all yep. across the country. Yep. And you heard from them. And what was the biggest piece of advice they told you about uh, politics that's getting involved at such a young so age? So what's wonderful about the book is that the whole last chapter, I asked different elected officials different questions. For example, I asked the candidates in New York and California specifically about fundraising because it's, of course, more difficult to fundraise in New York and California than it is to you know, fundraise in Idaho and Montana, very competitive markets for, uh, for advertisements and whatnot. Um, so I asked different, different, candid different candidates different questions, but I ended my interview with all 20 elected officials interviewed with the same question. I said, if you have a piece of advice for young candidates, what's your advice? 
And do you know what the majority of them said? They said, don't listen to anybody who tells you you can't do it. The majority of people I interviewed for this book, the majority of the young elected officials were underdogs in their races. In fact, Ellen Nesbitt, who's a good friend of mine, she's a Dutchess County legislator who was just reelected. She had a, she's a Republican. There were three times more Democrats in her district. Her own father, who was a Dutchess County legislator, saw that and told her not to run. So many people in the legislature told her not to run, but she didn't listen because she says, don't listen to anybody who tells you you can't do something, as all the elected officials do. And she just ran an uphill battle again and won her re-election. Um, Anthony Fasano in New Jersey, major, major underdog. All these newcomers that, that come and people tell them they can't win races, and they're proving them all wrong. So the moral of the story is that only you get to decide what are the limits of your energy, your will, and your desire to succeed. So, Josh, let me ask you something. A uh, 12, 13-year-old kid comes up to you and says, hey, Josh, you know, I've been following your story. I read your book, mm -hmm. and I'm really interested in politics. Yep. What do you say to him? So, I, so it's, it's fine. So Cyrus Habib is, is an idol of mine as well. Cyrus Habib, the first Iranian-American ever elected to office, uh, is, was you know, legally blind, graduated from Yale Law School, is a Washington state senator, Washington state out west, and is running for lieutenant governor in his 30s. He's amazing. And what he says that really resonated with me, he says, running for election isn't really the first step. It's really like the third step. And what I mean by this is I wrote a whole chapter on you have to get involved, and I, I say you have to, you should get involved in your community before you run for office. Because remember, running for office is asking your fellow citizens for a chance to serve your community. What better prerequisite than that? By, you know, what, what better prerequisite is there than to show your community you've already served? So, for example, in Syosset, I'm proud to have started Safe Ride Syosset, and you guys know about Safe Ride. Um, Anthony Fasano started in New Jersey Outreach uh, in his town. And you real know, quick, for those who don't know that sure. are listening for the first time, what is Safe Ride Syosset that you started? Sure. So, Safe Ride Syosset was a community outreach program I started in September of my senior year. The crux of Safe Ride was that kids feared getting caught by their parents drunk more so than hurting themselves or others in a car, whether it was driving drunk or getting in the car of a drunk driver. So how Safe Ride worked was that Syosset High School students who either drank or were driven by someone who drank could call the Safe Ride Syosset hotline, which was my cell phone, Friday and Saturday nights from 10 o'clock p.m. until 2 o'clock a.m., at which point myself and 40 volunteer drivers, which were all Syosset High School seniors, working with a sober buddy for the evening, would go be dispatched to pick these kids up and take them home free of charge. No questions asked and no questions passed. And in 2012, I'm so proud to report that we drove home 350 kids safely. That's unbelievable. And Thank you. As far as Safe Rides, I asked it, have you gone to expand it further? Is there any expansion of the program into other counties? So, uh, you know, it's... Or it's, other towns, I should say. It's something after I graduate that, that, I, would, that I would love to do. Um, you know, obviously being up at Cornell, it's difficult to be home and, you know, to be on the... You know, it's, it's, it's different than, you know, to be home and to be on the ground and to be able to work with kids in other districts because it was such a difficult undertaking, I have to tell you. To get Safe Ride off the ground, dealing with the insurance companies, dealing with the parents, dealing with the detractors in my own community, it was so difficult. So after I graduate, it's a goal of mine to really bring it to uh, to other areas on Long Island. Let's talk about your graduation. You know, yep. you have a very unique education. Yes. You did two years at NASA Community College in the Correct. Honors Program. Correct. You transferred to Cornell, and Correct. you know, we always joke with you off the air that you're the first ever Cornell commuter <laughs> student driving back and forth from Long Island out to Ithaca, New York, Correct. where we are right now in the studio mm -hmm. recording this. 
how do you balance all you do from the SAS school board, writing this book, everything else you're involved in, all the different yeah. committees and sure. uh, everything you're involved in while also trying to balance an Ivy League education? Sure. So the answer I could give you is that it's all about time management. But the real answer is that uh, I forego a lot of sleep. Um, and I have to because I just need more hours in the day to do this all. But I'm passionate. And this is what I spoke about. And I know we're going to speak about South Africa in a little bit. But what I spoke about in my TED Talk down in South Africa was that a life filled with happiness and contentment is most likely to find those who are passionate about what they do. And I want to say that one more time. A life filled with happiness and contentment is most likely to find those who are passionate about what they do. And Jake and Dan, I'm passionate about what I do. So it drives me to work even harder to make sure I'm impacting more lives of more people across the country. And we're going to take a quick break, but stick with us. we got more of Josh Lapizan, author, politician, coming up after the break. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. You are listening to the Asman and Beauty podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Back here on the Asman and Butik podcast, Jake Asman alongside Dan Butik with Josh Lavazan. You know him, everyone in the Sassic community, for those who aren't familiar with him and what Josh has been able to do. He just released a new book. That's why he's on the show with us right here in the studio. Political Gladiators, excuse me, How Millennials Can Persevere Through the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. That's his new book coming out December 18th. Big book launch. A lot of celebrities going to be there. Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, <laughs> and of course, Put it on your couch, Tom so. Napoli. I mean, we got a ton of people going to be there, but <laughs> Donald Trump. I mean, before we get, we're going to get to Trump a little bit later, but you know, we last left off kind of talking more about the book and I asked you how you balance everything you do besides Cornell and the Sasset School Board and everything else you have going on. You know, one of those things that you recently did was you were in South Africa to deliver, I think it was a TEDx speech. Correct. Let's talk about South Africa. Sure. How did you get the opportunity to speak down there and what was that experience like? Sure. So uh, I previously given a TEDx talk down in Atlanta, Georgia, and actually in Tequila, Georgia. I apologize. Chris Larkins was the organizer. And I spoke there and through my speaking there, um, the organizer, Kay Papella of TEDx Youth at Mill Park in Johannesburg, South Africa, we were able to find each other online and he invited me to speak down there. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. To go down to Johannesburg, to meet people down there, to speak with them, um, to impact their lives, and to have my life impacted by them was truly a profound experience. Now let me ask you, Josh, mm -hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of TED, TED Talks. Um, can we get the, the clip to tweet out? Sure. So as I said before the break, the, the, the main line I used, and, and I believe this with every fiber of my being, is that a life filled with happiness and contentment is most likely to find those who are passionate about what they do. You know, more than the majority of workers in the world, Forbes did a major study, more than the majority of workers in the world are not happy at work. They're not passionate about what they do. And more than two-thirds of Americans are not happy at work, and they're not passionate about what they do. So to me, if you're not passionate about what you do, if you're not jumping out of bed every morning, excited to tackle the day, then to me, you're not living a life worth leading because we as the millennial generation 
have more capability to invent, to explore, and discover than any generation before us in human history. We have more information and more technology at our disposal than anyone has ever had. So let's do something with it. Let's wake up, let's wake up every morning with, 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 with the impetus and, and, and with the passion to make a difference in the world because we can and because we should. Back to the TEDx talk you gave in South Africa. Is it tough preparing a speech like that? So tough. That's, I mean, how long was it? So tough. So it was uh, about 15 minutes, uh, 16 minutes. And uh, it's difficult because you, uh, you want to say so much. <laughs> and I have right. so much to say. You guys know I'm never short of words. And you also, you did have time and fairness and a credit to you. You called our show. I think it was at 5 in the morning. We were on the air. That was unbelievable. Thanks again. That was great. It's I mean, we got pleasure. the first ever call on the Asma Budic show when we do our a live radio show on VIC radio. Absolutely. You were the yeah. first ever call we ever had from South Africa. Thank you. And you know what's funny is that I learned my lesson in that when, you're, when, when you get to a foreign country, you can't fall asleep right away when you get there. So I got there about 10, 30, 11. I fell asleep. Boom. And that set me up because my sleep schedule was still on New York schedule and South Africa seven hours ahead. So the room service, uh, <laughs> the room service operator kept making fun of me because I'd call for dinner at about 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m. and I'd say, oh, hello, Mr. Lafferty, how are you? Um, because I couldn't get my sleep schedule back on track. Um, but it was so difficult preparing because you want to say so much, but you got to make it concise. And you also want to make it resonate with the youth audience. And uh, I think my, my message really did because from speaking to the attendees and from speaking to the organizer, um, they have major problems down in South Africa major corruption in the government, government services, not meeting the needs of the people. And to hear my message about, you know, be, be passionate about what you do and to go out there and make a difference. Um, my message really resonated with the audience. And we're talking with Josh Lafazan. Once again, his book, Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Persevere Through the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. Book comes out December 18th. Yes, sir. Give everyone, a, give everyone a plug. Where can they purchase the book? How can they get the book? Give us sure, a Sure, absolutely. So the book's going to be purchasable. Purchasable. I believe that's the word. <laughs> you can purchase the book on Amazon on December 18th uh, is when the book is officially launched. I think uh, if all goes well, you should be able to pre-order it in a couple days before. But please go like our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash political gladiators like the page in the days before the book I continue to announce a new elected official who was interviewed in this book we've announced Sarah Blair from West Virginia Ian Calderon from California Daniel Croson from New Jersey Tom DiNapoli from New York and just yesterday Justin Chinette from Maine today we'll announce John Fiore from New York as well and uh, 15 days until the book launches and I can't wait for everyone to read it Josh, now taking it back to Syosa, Long Island, your hometown, you're on the school board. Yes, sir. What's going on in Syosa right now with the school board? How is everything, how is the progression for people who don't follow it? Obviously, Jake and I do. Sure. How is the progression and uh, I guess the advancement of the school district from when you first joined yep. to now in 2015? So what's going on in Syosa is that we're on fire. You know, um, there's no bigger advocate for Syosa than me, but the proof is in the pudding. We've had more national merit finalists, more National Honor Society inductees. We're winning awards in music, art, clubs, sports. Our sports were on fire. Well, let's get to the sports for a second. We sure. leave, and you know, the football team. Oh, yeah, always, you know, they're, they're always, they made always, the playoffs always, a couple times. Always, always respectful a, program. Yeah, they're never embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, I think best when we were there, four and four. Yeah, four and four, five yeah. and three. They won a playoff game our sophomore year. I remember. Always, always had guts. Went, always to, had went guts. to the semifinals, but yeah. they went a Long Island championship. What was the year? ago from when we were recording yep. this video had another great season this year I mean Syosset Sy Athletics is doing outstanding Sy yeah, I know there's a new athletic director yep. that's in charge of the program sure. there but it's been really cool to watch the athletic program and then we always know the academics of Syosset is going to be outstanding right. but the athletic program which a lot of people are always first to criticize the yep. past couple seasons they've been phenomenal yeah which which and Drew Cronin um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan he was the athletic director of Northport and we were able to bring him over to Syosset has done a remarkable job 
Our athletic program is wonderful. I'd like to take it a step further. Remember what I called for during my campaign was to lift the restriction on directed donations. Why? Every other school district on Long Island, except Syosset, has a, its own turf field. Why? Other districts have an athletic field house. Why Syosset doesn't? Why our athletic facilities are subpar? It's just beyond me. Especially when our programs are on fire. Well, whose decision is the policy with direct donations? Why is it that other school districts sure. on Long Island are able to get donations sure. from wealthy people that are sure. willing to give back to the community? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Syosset do that? So it's, it's up to the school board. It's something that Carol Hankin didn't believe in, and it's something I do. And it's just it's just it's it's something that I still want to do. And I I you know I'd, I'd hope my colleagues um, you know I wish I wish we really would go for this, and I continue to lobby my colleagues to lift the ban because as it stands, you know, to Brickishaw Ferguson and what he did philanthropically with Freeport was unbelievable. You know, why, so I, I always joke at, you know, about Evan Capatos, who's a good friend of mine who plays football at Princeton. at Princeton. If Evan goes pro and he comes back and wants to donate a new field, the school district policy is that give us the money, it goes into the general fund, and then we'll tell you what we'll do with it. Absolutely So not. let me ask you, when do you think this can come to a vote and we can get a different viewpoint from the current school board? So I'm currently gathering research from other districts on how they accept directed donations. When that research culminates, I want to share the information with my colleagues because I want to make sure everyone's informed. And uh, obviously I hope that, uh, that, that we could do something like this this year, but I never make promises that I can't promise I can deliver. What I promise my constituents, and the only thing I promise them, is that I will give them my very best effort that I will have the same integrity that I had when I started my campaign, and that I will work tirelessly to answer every question and to help every constituent who has a problem. I can only promise what I can control. So this is out of my control. It's the nine people on the board. Nine people have different votes. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we'll be able to get this thing passed. Now, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, but this is one of the first things you did when you were elected in 2012, you brought MSG Varsity back to Syosset. And this is a sports show, so we'll get into the athletic side of the Syosset program for a bit. Sure. MSG Varsity wasn't allowed on Syosset property. Correct. Anytime Syosset was on MSG Varsity, which is a very popular high school mm-hmm. uh, program, Verizon Files is now allowed yeah. as well, You know they're allowed to record our games now. And that used to not be the case. You were able to work that out where now MSG Varsity can televise Syosset sporting events. And I've seen the cross on MSG Varsity. I've yep. seen basketball. I've seen football. And not just MSG Varsity, Verizon Files as well. That was something that never used to be the case. Mm-hmm. And you've done a lot for the athletic program. No, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and, and I appreciate you giving me some kudos there because I never get kudos for it. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of the first things I, I, I did when I was on the board. And uh, athletics is important to me. Remember, I'm a certified referee in basketball and, and, and soccer. I pride, yes, some parents, they might have a differing opinion. Um, but sports is important to me because it's an important part. Remember, sports teach life lessons. They teach the importance of teamwork and discipline and, 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 and hard work and, and so many important life lessons. So it's important to me. Um, I just think for the sake of our athletes, and for our community to have real state-of-the-art facilities is something that's important to me. And Dr. Lavelle Brown, who's the superintendent of Ithaca, gave me a tour of their schools the other day. I mean, their weight room is state-of-the-art, and their facilities are spectacular, and it got me jealous, so I'm a little motivated. And I'm guessing they do accept direct donations. Uh, I I, I want to confirm with Dr. Brown. I I don't want to speak before I confirm that with him, but I will tell you that many of the districts on Long Island who have these state-of-the-art facilities do accept direct donations. Yes, sir. And we're talking to Josh Lapazan, new author, book coming out on December 18th, Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Preserve Through the 21st Century Political Minefields and Win. First ever commuter student in Ithaca, New York's Cornell University's history as well. Well, let me ask you, Josh, 
What has that been like? Just the fact that you're in Ithaca, you're on Long Island. I mean, the mileage you've put on uh, <laughs> uh, to your car, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I hate doing the drive twice a year, you know, twice a semester. And here you do it, uh, you know, I feel like four times a week. So I do the drive about two to three times a month. Um, <laughs> and that's generous. Well, hold on. What was the one time you were here? Let's say you left on a Thursday yeah. and you came back on a Sunday. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's typically when uh, we have a break one week in the board meeting the next week. You know, a joke I make in the book is that uh, the Taco Bell guy on exit 101 off Route 17 tells me that I'm single-handedly stimulating the local economy <laughs> with the amount of times I go there and back. Um, the drive is brutal. It's a long drive. Uh, I listen to a lot of country on my iPod, so I got a lot of and the Asman Budic show. And the Asman Budic show, of course. Got to give them a plug. But once again, when you're passionate about what you do, it's worth it. So does it, you know, a lot of long nights on Route 17 because I usually, I, you know, I'm a volunteer firefighter with the Varna Fire Department. So we'll end training about 10 and then I'll probably go straight home. So I'll get home for Friday meetings. It's a lot and it's a long drive and it's a lot on your body, but it's worth it because it's important to show my constituents that I show up. I think the biggest thing in politics is that you want to show your constituents that you show up for them. So when my constituents see me in the community, when they see me in Bagel Master, when they see me at the On Parade Diner, when they see me in the coffee shop, when they see me on the baseball field and the basketball court, when they see me in the shopping and you know, at shop right and shopping stuff, they, they see that I show up for them and that I'm there for them. To me, there's nothing more important and nothing more I value. So is there, is there anything that, um, that you, that people have, uh, have said that you, you haven't been doing? Have you gotten any uh, flack for not doing things that people think should be done in the community? For not doing things that should be done? No, usually I get flack for things that I do do. <laughs> and, well, that's good. Uh, you know, but, but, that, but that, that comes with the territory, and it's something I spoke about in my book. Uh, no, everything that I spoke about, um, you know, in 2012 and 2015, I've, uh, I, you know, I've researched and, and, and I've pushed for. Um, what I get flack for is that I want to challenge Hayasa to move into the 21st century. If you're not, you know, Dr. Friedman was our interim superintendent. He said, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And I fully concur with his thinking. So I get in trouble a lot of times because people tell me, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And look, Syosset is a wonderful district. But can we be better? Should we strive to be better? Absolutely. So my main priority, my main priority right now, curriculum-wise, is to change the foreign language program. And I got a lot of flack over this. I want to change the foreign language program to shift the emphasis from culture to conversation. Right now, students in kindergarten through fifth grade, they oscillate between languages each year. They take Russian, Chinese, French, and they rotate. And the emphasis of the curriculum is teaching culture. But you guys are graduates. Can you guys speak another foreign language fluently? I can. And I think that's something interesting is the fact that how are you supposed to learn anything or learn a language in one year if between first and fifth grade you're taking a different language every year? And that's my problem with the curriculum. You know, the curriculum is that, you know, remember, I'm a graduate and I took Spanish every day from sixth grade to twelfth grade. And I can't speak Spanish fluently. So what I want to do is I want to let parents choose a foreign language for their kids when they enter kindergarten and let that child stick with that language through fifth grade. So imagine this, your child, because remember, the golden age for language acquisition is seven plus or minus two years. So imagine that you have a child who enters kindergarten, they take, let's say, Spanish or Mandarin, they take that language every day through sixth through fifth grade. They enter HBT or Southwoods Middle School as conversational. And if they stick with that language, 
they have a real good shot at exiting Syosset High School fluently. And what I told all young people when I, made, when I implored them to come out and vote, when I made a plea for the young vote, the millennial vote, I said, if you guys were fluent in foreign language, would you be in a better position today in the job market? If you guys were fluent in foreign language, would you be more attractive candidates for positions? The answer is categorically yes. And that's why I want to change. Because my number one priority, aside for the safety of our kids, is to make sure that we are graduating students who can think for themselves and who can be competitive in the tumultuous 21st century job market. And we're talking with Josh Lavazan. Once again, his book, Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Persevere Through the 21st Century Political Minefield. And when you're obviously deep into politics, you've met a lot of politicians, you speak with politicians, you act like a politician. But you right now you're on the school board, and I'm sure you get to ask this question a lot, always. but we have to ask you the question always, because we're just always, trying to do always. our jobs here. Okay, okay. What is your plan post the Board of Education? How do you see your future kind of unraveling as you are a senior at Cornell right now and you yep. will be graduating, going out to the quote-unquote real world Correct. in a few months? Uh, of course you have to ask this, ask this question. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone's got to ask, so it's okay. No, um, I make no secrets about my ambition. I'd like to run for New York state government upon graduation from Cornell, when that will be is to be determined. Um, But I make no secrets about my ambition because I don't know why ambitions become a dirty word. And I don't know why ambition is wrong. Oftentimes, my detractors in the community, those who want to tear me down, during the campaign they said, don't vote for Josh, he has an agenda. You're damn right I have an agenda. And you know what? You want to know what my agenda is? My agenda is to make sure we are graduating the, the, the most forward-thinking and the most capable graduates from Syosset High School. That is my agenda. And you're damn right I'm ambitious. Because don't we want somebody who is ambitious in government? Do we want somebody who is running and will be complacent with the status quo? Or do we want somebody who is ambitious? Do we want somebody who is not satisfied with the status quo and who will fight to change things? So, yes, I am ambitious. Yes, I have ambitions for higher office, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, where I end up in the next couple of years is an exciting, uh, it's an exciting period in my life, and it's to be determined, but uh, I have ambitions to, uh, to clean things up in Albany. What's the best part about being on a school board? Oh, man. Do you get a parking spot? We, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we have a couple of reserved spots in front of South. That's pretty good because, for those who don't know, this is not a paid position. A volunteer, volunteer position. Volunteer position. Correct. You're, I, the most, I, you're the most famous school. Like, like – for the most part, no one knows the other school board members. I would say I, would say I have the highest like name you, you are like people. You are the face of the Syosset. You walk into a diner, and people, chances are they know you. But, there. but you have become it's, it's amazing. It really is. You have become the face of the Syosset Central School District. No, thank you. And, and, and when Carol Hankin gone, you've kind of become the face of you know the Syosset hierarchy as far as education goes. No, well, thank and and listen, I appreciate that, but it's something I recognize, and it's something I take seriously, and it's something I don't take for granted. And this is something that I wrote about in the book. When you become an elected official, you're no longer just a regular citizen. You're a public servant. So something, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of the elected officials spoke about, you know, and something I speak about is that, you know, the company you keep and what you say and what you do, it all matters. You know, and, and you know, being in a public setting with the wrong group, you know, so I, uh, I'm incredibly cognizant with what I say and what I do and where I am because what I do reflects on the Syosset School District. Um, and, and it's a responsibility, and it's definitely a, you know it's, it's it's definitely a major responsibility, but it's something I cherish. It absolutely is something I cherish. But the best part, you want to know the best part about being on the school board? It's about being able to wake up every morning, and my job is to make my community better. Remember, I've lived in Syosset my whole life. I was senior class president. I was a volunteer firefighter there. I love Syosset. I live and breathe Syosset. I will be a brave forever. And the fact that I get 
to push for changes that I get to help people in my community. And at the end of the day, my head hits the pillow and I know it's a better place because of the actions I took. That's priceless, man. And I want that forever. And we're with Josh Lavison, the author of Political Gladiators. And we'll wrap it up with Josh right after these words. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your Gus Buster today. You are listening to the Asman and Bearded Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Here on the Asman and Budic Show, special edition of the show, Dan Budic alongside Jake Asman, and we're joined by author and politician Josh Lafazan, uh, author of a new book coming out December 18th, Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Preserve Through the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. Josh's book coming out December 18th. There's also his other two brothers wrote books. Uh, you guys are all, the Lafazan family is full of authors at this point. <laughs> we're, a man of, we're a man of many words. Your brother's writing a book on middle school. We didn't, uh, we didn't spend that much time real quick on your brother Justin's book. Yeah. And I know Justin's right close with you. We know Justin very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's Justin, another friend of the show. He is a friend of the show. Absolutely. And Justin was nice enough to have me speak at his conference, the Next Gen Summit in and, Austin and this past summer. Former NBA player Jonathan Bender. I did. I interviewed John, and uh, we talked about his knees, malice of the palace, <laughs> the whole thing. That was a lot of fun. That's a story for a different day. But your brother Justin, what's his book about? I saw it was something about waking up in the morning and having a purpose with your yeah, life. So, all right? As I mentioned before, Justin is my inspiration. He is amazing. He inspires me each and every day. So his book is called What Wakes You Up? Designing Kick-Ass Lives Through Entrepreneurship. And it's all about this concept of life design. That you ask, you ask yourself the question, how do I get from where I am to where I want to be? And it's all about reverse engineering the process, finding people who have done what you want to do, um, you know, interviewing them, getting to know how they went about that process, and then doing it yourself. And it's all about, you know, Justin's very big into doing what you love. And he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's infected me with that bug because, uh, you know, I'm big into sharing that message now as well. And I kind of also wanted to get to the 2016 election. Of I know course, you're a registered independent, but Correct. as someone so immersed in, in politics, Besides Donald Trump, which I'm sure we'll certainly touch on, <laughs> sure. what are some of the main storylines that you've kind of been following closely involving this election? Sure. So I, uh, I think the most interesting storyline, uh, John Cooper is a good friend of mine, and he was the national finance chairman for the, uh, for the group Draft Biden. And I had breakfast with him, and uh, he really turned me on to Joe Biden. And uh, it, it's funny, I'm a registered independent, but uh, you know, I really appreciated the advocacy that he was doing to see how he was so passionate about um, you know about drafting Joe Biden into the race, um, you know. So so I so I, want, I, I wanted to give John a shout out because uh, it's Americans like like John who who believe that we still have humanity left in politics. John was a Suffolk County legislator. Uh, it's Americans like John who are not so cynical to, to believe that we don't have humanity left in politics. That are the Americans that inspire me. So I appreciate uh, John for all the work that he did. 
But what other what other candidates, whether it be on the you know you're obviously you no, mentioned you're right. an independent on either side, which candidate do you uh, do you agree with, or which candidate do you look at and say, wow, he could be or she could be yeah, a good so, president? So I'm not going to endorse any candidates at this moment, and the reason I say that is because I've been so busy with the book and with the school board that I haven't had time to vet the candidates. And I like to vet them myself. Uh, you know, I endorsed John Huntsman for president in 2012. He unfortunately came up short, but uh, I endorsed him after a thorough vetting process in which uh, you know, I sat down for hours and just researched you know, talks and, and speeches from these politicians and felt like he was the man for the job. So I, I, I have not, and, I, and I, I, I'm not ready to endorse the candidate yet. Um, very intriguing storylines. I think Marco Rubio is the most naturally gifted of those politicians in the Republican race, he's the best orator of the group, and uh, it's it's interesting to see. Um, you know, as a young candidate, I'm interested to watch him and to see whether his lack of experience, because that's what his detractors go after him, whether his lack of experience will play a role. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm interested to watch that storyline. I'm interested to see as the Republican field wields out. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see you know if we'll have, if I may, an October surprise because as you remember in 2012. The oscillation of candidates up and down, it was like a flavor of the week. So I'm curious to see whether Trump maintains the stronghold or whether we'll have different candidates. Well, what do you think of Trump? Because obviously a lot of people laughed when sure. he first entered the race. And he has clearly a large following. As sure. we sit here and record this, he's still the leading Republican sure. candidate. Sure. As someone like you that's involved in politics, sure. you see someone like Donald Trump that has no experience. Uh, he's never been an elected official. Mm -hmm. What's your reaction when you see what he says? So my reaction is that I'm making a prediction right now on the Asmin and Budic show that Donald Trump will not be the last businessman we see enter politics in the in the coming years. Um, Mark Cuban, somebody who said he abhorred politics, would never get into politics, now says he would consider running for office. Carl Icahn, the famous investor, said he would consider being Trump's secretary of the treasury. So what Donald Trump has done is he has paved the way for other business titans and, and, and business icons to run. And I think that's going to be a trend because with the prevalence of money in politics now, like Mark Cuban said, you know, with, with a fortune that he's got, he can just hop in the race at any time. You no longer need these deep connections to the party. If you've got money, you can just hop in and do well, it. Well, one of the things that Trump always says is that he's able to – he's not going to be bought off by anyone. He's right. funding his own campaign. Right, which, which, which is a very interesting development. So that's why to me when I, when I, when I look at you know, a guy like Mark Cuban, you know, I'm interested to see you know, whether a guy like Mark Zuckerberg will jump in. And that's something nobody's talking about. I mean very young – Obviously, incredibly wealthy, philanthropic guy. You know, I'm. You know, it's 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 kind of my own personal fun to look at the next generation of entrepreneurs and wealthy Americans and say, you know, which one of these guys is going to be president and make my own predictions. Well, let me ask you, Josh. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that is for the better of this country? That the more business-oriented minds, younger generation, mm -hmm. uh, like Mark Zuckerberg yeah. or even Mark Cuban, mm -hmm. would jump into a presidential race? I think the best thing for this country is to have an influx of millennial candidates run and win. Millennials are the largest generation in American history. 75.3 million of us. We're bigger than the baby boomers. We're also the most diverse and the most educated generation in American history. But our voices are not being heard. We have 2, 2% of the United States House of Representatives seats are filled by millennials. Young candidates are willing to work across the aisle. We're willing to work with any member of any party. And what's astonishing is that, remember, I was, I was a very um, co you know, competitive debater in high school. I was a national finalist, a state finalist. And what's remarkable about young people is that I, I had fierce disagreements with the other competitors. But if you walk into a room, the young candidates are doing something amazing. They're listening. They're listening. And I'll never forget, I read an article that 
you know, Republicans and Democrats were sitting together at the State of the Union. And this was a great show of bipartisanship. And I'm like, you know, get out of here. This is a show of bipartisanship that you're able to sit together. Young candidates are able to have arguments and disagreements, and they're able to compromise and come up with solutions. So it's time the old generation steps aside and lets the new guard take over. Real quick, a, a couple questions here before we wrap up the show. Sure. You mentioned millennials. Let's go opposite of millennials. Bernie Sanders, Jake Turnock, <laughs> our executive producer, big supporter of him, so we have to ask you this question. Your sure. thoughts on uh, feeling the burn, Bernie Sanders, the whole thing? My thought is that Larry David was spot on. and I'm Amazing. Sure, I'm sure it was, un- it was unreal. And here's the other thing about Bernie, and this is something I wrote in my book. What 2016 has shown us is that you, there is no one type of personality to get elected to politics. Oftentimes, I'll speak to somebody who says, you know, Josh, I love politics. I'm a real policy wonk, but I'm an introvert. You know, can I run for office? The answer is absolutely. Look at 2016. On one hand, you have grump, you know, grumpy grandpa Bernie Sanders. On the other time, you have, you know, you know, a bashed and, and brash Donald Trump. And, and there's room for any type of candidate. I mean, you have, you have me. I'm hyper-passionate. And I, I, you know, I don't apologize for being hyper-passionate because I, I don't know any, any other way to operate. But I'm measured in what I say. And I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm always measured and calculated in what I say. Um, and there's room for me. There's room for Bernie. There's room for Donald. There's room for that introvert. There's room for anybody in politics. So I want to make sure that I, uh, I remind people that Bernie has, uh, has confirmed that for me. Josh, we really appreciate you coming on. Remember, Josh's book comes out December 18th, Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Preserve Through the 21st persevere, Century. Yeah, oh, persevere, on. persevere, excuse me. Persevere <laughs> through the 21st Century, Political Minefield, and Win. Once again, Josh Lavazan, author of Political Gladiators. Josh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll certainly do it again. It seems like we do this every couple months. We had you on in May. You were reelected. Hopefully, having you on again will bring some good fortunes and some uh, good luck with you selling the book that's coming out. Well, also, real quick, um, come uh, the election in May, is there anyone that you're endorsing uh, to jump on the school so, board? So, you know what? It's funny. Uh, with, with, with finals and midterms, I've been a little busy, but uh, I'm always looking at the next school board race because, obviously, I have a stake in who my colleagues are on the board. Uh, so I look forward to another conversation uh, later in the spring semester about who's running for the board and who I endorse. But I want to say this before we wrap up. Um, I write in the book that candidates get votes but campaign teams win elections. And without my campaign team, I'd be nowhere. And without the two of you guys, I'd be nowhere. So thank you for what you did for me. I'm forever in a debt of gratitude for your relief. We'll also give some credit to a consultant for the show, Anthony Leo. I know he was out in the late hours of the night putting up signs. He was the sign guy for the campaign. 100%. 100% the sign guy. He was uh, also the driver, too. He was the driver, the sign guy. But I'm I'm in a debt of gratitude to all those who helped me. And you two played a pivotal role in my campaign, and I'll never forget it. Oh, we're, we're looking forward to getting a hard copy of the book. All right, autograph all right, all right, all right. The whole thing. Yes, sir. For but, good friends. <laughs> absolutely. Josh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Good luck with the book. Once again, Josh Lab is an author, Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Persevere Through the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Take care. Listening to the Asmin and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.